If you will, please open your Bibles this morning to the book of Psalm, Psalms. Psalm 139 is where we're headed. I, um, I don't know about you, but I kind of have a favorite book in the Bible. Everybody have kind of a favorite one that really speaks to them? I, I, I actually, I have one in the New Testament, one in the Old Testament. I think I have one in the Gospels and one in the Epistles. But anyway, one of my favorite books is one that I'm going to start with this morning. But I'd like to know what your favorite book is. So think about it just for a second, and then I want to ask you, all of you, if you'll just share with me what your favorite book is. All right? So if you could do that, have you got it? Got it in your mind? I've never gotten close to this, this close to the edge before. I've been close to the edge, but not this edge, you know. Yes, just one. Just one. Only give me one. What's your favorite book? Okay, I've got all those in my mind. So you can ask me later, and I'll be able to tell you what somebody's was. One of my favorites is the book of Daniel. I love to read about that young man, Daniel, taken away and, and how God used him in that, that land far, far away from his home. I love reading about his three friends with him and how they had a testimony in that place. Yeah, I love the prophecy and the, the things that are to come that are in there. But the thing that I love most about it is Daniel's testimony about his God. His testimony about his all-knowing God. Chapter 2, and I'm sure you know the story, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And he sent out word to all of the wise men of the realm and called them in and said, I want to know what the meaning of this dream is. I, I don't understand it. It had him, it had him baffled. But he said, this time we're going to do something different. He said, this time I want you to tell me not only the meaning of the dream, but I want you to tell me what the dream was. That's, that had never happened before. You see, these guys had kind of kind of just, you know, shoved things along because they had no clue what those dreams meant. And Nebuchadnezzar realized it, and most of the time he didn't care because they were saying nice things about him, and that made him feel good, and that's all he wanted. But this one scared him a little bit. This one scared him a lot. And so he said, I want you to tell me the dream and then tell me what it means. And they said, oh, king, nobody's ever done that before. And he said, yes, I know, but you are going to. And they said, but we can't do that. And he said, then you'll give up your heads. Now, you know, you remember the story, how Daniel and his three friends heard the news as they were being called in to be killed. And... Daniel said, what's the hurry? What's the hurry? Give me a little bit of time here. Let me talk to my God. And he will give us the meaning of that dream. I love Daniel's 
prayer to to his God after Nebuchadnezzar's dream had been released to him. He said this in chapter 2, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom blessing belong and wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise. Wisdom, knowledge and wisdom. And knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. And the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might. And have not made known to me what we, uh, and have now made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Daniel was praising God for his wisdom, for his knowledge, for his omniscience. We're going to be talking today about God's omniscience, about all that he knows for us and of us, all that he knows about what's going on all around us. You know, in a week like this week, as was prayed So many things happen in our world. It's great to know that our God knew it before it ever took place. It's great to know that when we face difficulties, like our sister who's having to have a separate, another hip replaced this week. It's great to know that God knew about that ahead of time. And God is overseeing those things. Daniel walked into the presence of that king and said, King, I've got the answer for you. And he said, Can you interpret this dream? I love Daniel's response. When he said to him, in verses 26 to 30, The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay on your bed are are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. We need to grab hold of that one statement. That one statement that Daniel made. As we think about all of the attributes of our God, there is a God in heaven. And he knows all things. He knows what we're getting ready to experience today. He knows what we're going to experience tomorrow. He knows what's coming in our lives He knows all of these things. 
I got to thinking as I pulled the car out this morning. He knew that it was going to snow today. You didn't like that, did you? But he knew it ahead of time. And he knows tomorrow that it's going to stop. And it won't snow anymore. (laughs) Maybe. I am not a prophet, neither am I the son of a prophet. But I can pray, can I? It is God's omniscience that we will seek to see today. And I want us to see it very personally. I want us to see it as his knowledge is way above us, but also how it applies to us, how it ministers to us. Now join me in Psalm 139, and I want us to start by just reading together, you follow along, the first six verses again, as we begin to think through our theme for this morning. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before. Lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. God knows all about me. God knows everything about me. Now, I say that, and I want us to think through with your name in place there. I'm saying God knows all about me, but God knows all about you. Put your name in there, because we need to understand that. David's theme is seen right here in verse 1. He says that God knows him and us penetratingly. He can see into us. He knows everything about us. God knows all that I do. God's knowledge comes as if he had searched in and around and through us. He's looked into our minds with their understanding and lack thereof, and to our hearts with its deceitfulness. What? Some people would say... My heart's not deceitful, but the prophet Jeremiah would disagree with us. Chapter 17 and verse 9, when he says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And then he says, Who can know it? And David would say to him, Jeremiah, God knows it. God told Jeremiah that men have hearts fraught with deceitfulness. But our God knows our heart. My God knows my heart. You see, this God that we're talking about is is my God. Is He your God today? Is He the one that you fellowship with every day? He knows you and me. He knows us every day. As Job before him, David says that God knows him. God knows me, David said. And whether we're asleep or awake, God knows all that we do. Verse 2 states, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. That's a figure of speech, I'm told, called a merism. 
in rhetoric, a merism is the combination of two contrasting words to refer to an entirety. So he says, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up. And the thought there is he knows not only those two things, but everything in between. When I get up in the morning, he knows that. Where I'm going to go throughout that day, he knows it. And when I get ready to sit down at night, he knows that as well. He knows everything about it. David used, uh, when I sit down and rise up, and he uses this figure of speech at least three times in this psalm. David's point is that God knew every move he made. It's just not the specifics, but the sum total of his actions. God knows them all. In verse 3, he says, You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. God searches out David. David further talks not just about the beginning and end of the day, but every path that he takes as he comes and he goes throughout the day. David understood that so very well. David had times in his life. Some of those days when he thought no one knew what he did. He talks about that in Psalm 59, 51, verses 1 and 2, when he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You see, one day David was on a rooftop and he thought his glance escaped notice. But it didn't. And the effects of it didn't either. One day he sent a message to his commander to place a devoted soldier into the front lines and then to retreat from him. And he thought, no one will know. But they did. And above all, God did. You see, we can't get away from the knowledge of God about us. He knows everything about us. He knows what we do, what we think. He knows every action that we do. He knows where we go. He knows where we sit and sleep. So many people think that they have tricked everyone because they are hiding in places no one would look. We can sin and cover it so no one can see. But God sees. God. Yes, God knows all of these things. And he knows more than that. He is acquainted, David says, with all of my ways. All of my ways. Not just where I go, but why. He knows why we are in those places to avoid being found out. Listen, he knows why you're here today. You might say, well, of course, I'm here to worship. Are we all here to worship? I hope we are. Sometimes I think we come here because it's, Sunday morning. And it's the thing to do. But do we come and say, Lord, this is your time of corporate worship. Speak to my heart. God knows all that I think. God knows our thoughts even before we speak or think them. God knows that we will, what we will say even before it gets to our tongues. Have you ever wondered what someone was saying? I, I, I mean, you hear their words, but what are they really saying? What are they thinking? 
We are often left in the dark on such things. But our God is not. He knows it before we even think it. With that in mind, remember this. He knows why we are saying the words that come from our lips. That idea of He knows it all together gives us the understanding He knows why and what we are thinking. That's my God's omniscience. He's my God today. Is He your God? Is He the God of your life? In verse 5, David states this as if it's confining to him. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon it. It almost sounds like he's being crushed by this. And sometimes, sometimes the reality that God knows everything about us might feel like a squeeze. It strikes our little minds that he does this, finally when we think about it, as a loving father. He's watching out for us because He loves us. Every one of us. Whether we respond to that love or not, He loves us. This realization, David says, was beyond his understanding. Verse 6, he starts out by saying, This knowledge is too wonderful for me. This word wonderful is in the emphatic position in the original language. That means it appears first in the sentence. It is too wonderful, amazing for humans to understand. Back in Psalm 9-1, he says that he will give thanks to the Lord with the whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. This is the reason that we're here. Not just in church today. It's why we exist. We are to praise God for how wonderful He is. We are to praise Him so that others know of Him. We are to acknowledge to ourselves and to others how great our God is. We are to remind this world that our God knows all that is happening, all that is being said. And He has searched us all, and He knows us. And that I cannot hide from Him. Or hide from his spirit, that spirit which is God in us. But David doesn't stop here. He says, not only does God know all about me, he knows where I am. Follow along as I read verses 7 down through 12. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. I cannot escape or get out of the presence of my God. This is a reminder that we watch our actions, but more a reminder that God is always aware of our situation. He always knows what's going on with us. 
If there's a fear, if there's a something that comes and eats at us, God knows that. That's why we need to get on our knees and talk to Him about it. If we're rejoicing, if we're happy, God knows that. That's why we need to praise Him. God knows where I am physically, David says first. No matter where I go, God knows it when and before I go there. David goes back to that term I mentioned before, a merism, to point out that you can't get away from God's presence. He says, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, if I die, you are there. Perhaps David was becoming fearful that somewhere he might not be able to be with God. And so he posits these thoughts. If I ascend to the heavens, the English translation says you are there. But I'm told that in the original language it just says God. If I ascend to the heavens, God. If I travel down to Sheol, if I die, God. We are so caught up with everything around us. When it comes to these thoughts, we realize that God is there with us, no matter where we are. And we need to get that, keep that in front of us. Listen, when you rise in the morning, God. When you're driving down the road... God, wherever you are, God, He is all around us. And He knows where we are. Now, let me step aside here just for a second, because I've been thinking about this over the weeks as we've been talking about the attributes of God. We are taking these attributes of our God apart and dealing with them one at a time. We are seeing each one, but none of them are alone. They don't stand side by side, at least not the way I envision them. I envision them laying one on top of another. His omniscience alone could bring us to despair. He knows everything about you and about me. He knows every thought that we have. Wow. Putting that alongside his omnipotence could scare us away from him. And then his omnipresence makes David further feel like, he says here, hemmed in, behind and before. But remember that our God is also love. And God is mercy and grace. And that gives great comfort when we place it on top of the pile of all of these attributes. Because they all together are our God. We're talking about them one at a time. But don't let your God be separated like that. Keep the importance of completely who he is in front of you as we open up the word each Sunday. Now back to our thoughts. If I ascend to heaven, God, 
And then he shifts directions. If I make, if I make my bed in Shoal, if I die, God, we can never escape from God's presence. Praise His name. There are times as I traveled in different places around the globe, I kind of felt, you know, wow, this, this is a, this is different than, this is different than Noblesville, you know? This is different than where I lived before. And sometimes you get a little overwhelmed by those things. But think about the reality of this. No matter where you go, God is there. God is there, and He's there with you, and He's there in you, and He's there around you. If I try to escape God's presence, it can't be done. Now, that's the negative aspect of it. David looks ahead of his time, and and he even sees, though, kind of like jet travel or even space travel. Look at verse 9. He says, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the outermost parts of the sea. Have you ever ever thought about what he meant by that? He says, if I get out on the far east where the sun rises, and he says, I follow it and race with it throughout the day to the other end of the sea, the end of the Mediterranean Sea, from east to west. He says, no matter where I go, God is there. Every moment of every day, every place I could go. I've gotten on planes and slept through the night and flown the whole next day. And boy, you just try to figure out where you are. But God knows right exactly where you are. And he's there with you through that whole time. God knows where I am physically, but God also knows where I am spiritually. No matter where I go, no matter where I am, God's hand will lead me. Are you in difficult times right now? Maybe facing financial problems or health problems or family problems or maybe spiritual attack. Verse 10 says, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold me. See, God knows where we are. God knows what we're facing. God knows what we're dealing with. And God's great hands. He gives us a picture of that so that we can understand it in our finite minds. God's hands are there holding us. In the midst of every difficulty that we face. In the midst of every trial that we face. In the loss of a loved one. In the surgeries that are coming. In the financial difficulties. He's there. And he's holding you. Even in his right hand. Often people think they can hide from God in darkness. Verse 11 he says. If I say surely the darkness shall cover me. And the light about me be night. David says, even the darkness is not darkness to you. The night is as bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. Perhaps David is looking at physical darkness. Or maybe spiritual darkness. Or problems. He said, surely the darkness shall cover me. The word cover, perhaps, should be read as bruise. 
It's only used two other places in Scripture. One of them is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where it talks about bruising the heel and, and, and the head of the serpent. Or Job chapter 9, verse 17. The only other two places where that word appears. And it's used as bruise at that time. And all of these things, if all of these things attack me, problems, reversals, ambushes, surely they will take away my light, my hope. But listen to what these things are to God. Listen to what darkness and problems are to your God. He is your God today, isn't he? Listen, verse 12. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For to God, darkness is just like light. Because he's not, he's not affected like we are in our human bodies. He's not affected by darkness. He's not affected by the lights going out. He can see it all. Darkness is bright to God. Night is as bright as day. Darkness is as light to my God. And I do hope he is your God today. For darkness is as light to you. God's omniscience and omnipresence remove the chance that David or any of us could be removed from our God. God knows all about me. God knows where I am. But listen, God knows his plan for me as well. Verses 13 to 18. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. The thought that David had been chewing on in these writings, these musing, took him further in his thoughts. This section begins with the word for in the English. It means that this section explains the previous two. Since God can create a person, he certainly knows him intimately and completely. God made me for this life. God made you for this life. If there is no darkness with our God, nothing unknown, not even in my mother's womb, God knew me. In fact, he created me. In the Hebrew, the word in verse 13, you, referring to God, is in the emphatic tense, which might be read, you, yes, you, and you alone created me in my mother's womb. There are times we need to get back to the times before medical doctors thought they knew everything. Don't misunderstand. I'm thankful for the knowledge that God has granted to the medical profession. But when medicine trumps morality, when men's desires seek to supersede God's knowledge and sovereignty, we place ourselves on opposite sides from Almighty God. His knowledge, His power, 
in his presence. God made me as I am for his purpose in this life. I remember as a boy, later as a teenager, saying, God, I don't understand what you want of me today. I don't understand what you want of me in my life. And I had a youth pastor who said, well, Steve, have you ever considered God might want to use you in ministry? And I thought, no way. Absolutely not. I get nervous in front of people. And I don't know what to say. And eventually, I realized, even as Moses, who made your tongue? Who made this body? Even in my mother's womb, God knew me when I was knitted together. That's a beautiful picture. David got so excited about what the Spirit had caused him to write that he broke out in praise. Verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. Wonderfully made or fearfully set apart. Both of those could be translated in that passage. Our bodies are amazing creations of God. And David said, wonderful are your works. My soul knows that. He made us, you and me, amazingly. He made us special. Our military here in the United States has chosen special soldiers to serve in special forces. I think about this and I say, God has chosen each of us to be in His special forces. To serve Him in the place that He leads us to. It might not be some faraway land. It might not be some place as a pastor. But God's got a special responsibility for you. He's got a place for you. And He chose it before you were born. And it's our job to say, Lord, lead me, direct me, teach me. God's work in our lives, the creation of our person. When I think how God created me, how he made me different than my brothers, even different than my parents, I rejoice knowing that God had a plan in eternity past to use me in ways that no one else ever knew. When mom and dad held me, they had no idea what God had in store for me. But God knew. Keep in mind here that David had little knowledge compared to what man of 2019 knows about the amazing body that God has made, yet he was praising God for who he was and what he had done. We have so much greater knowledge, and it should push us to praise our God even more. My frame was not hidden. My frame, think about that. How many of us, you don't have to respond, because I know already, how many of us, have griped about our height or our, I'll be nice when I say this, our body build, the color of our hair, the color it becomes, or if our hair disappears. How many of us have 
been frustrated by those things. And yet God wonderfully made you for himself. He created you as you are today in the womb. Verse 16 even goes beyond that. He says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. God knows the length of our lives, but also every detail of it. God formed my days even before they existed. God saw me. He wrote my days in that book, and those days were formed for me. He was planning for me in his way. No sitting and agonizing over what we should be and able to do. God's not in heaven saying, oh, what am I going to do with this one? Man, they're a tough one. No, God made you. God's got a, a place for you. He's got a job for you. And we need to praise him that way. As our God, he spoke us into being as we were being formed. He says in verse 17, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. He's talking about his thoughts about us. God has thought about you. He's made you just exactly as you are. His plans are vast. We might say that they are innumerable. Not only in they are great in number, but they are so relevant to us. You see, David notes that when we wake in each morning, we are still here. And he says, God, you're not done with me yet. God's not finished with any of us yet. You might say, well, I've got this problem, this sin in my background. I've got this. Hey, God's not done with you. We fall on our knees before Him. We confess that. We realize God's forgiveness. And we say, Lord, where do I serve next? God's got a place for you. Verse 18, he finishes up this section when he says, If I would count them, the days... They are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. God's thoughts about us are more than the sands. God plans for me to do, to praise him, to serve him, and to live, to bring honor to him. So we've come today to see, and I hope, understand that God is omniscient. And personally... That means that he knows you and me. Exodus chapter 33, verse 7, God said of Moses, I know thee by name. Of Jeremiah, he said in chapter 1, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I set thee apart for the job that I had for you to do. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, Jesus speaking says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known of mine. And I lay down my life for the sheep. God's knowledge of us ultimately is crucial for us. We can know of him, 
But we are most blessed when he knows us and draws us to himself. If you today are here and have great knowledge of the facts of God's word and who God is, that's wonderful. But more important to you today is have you realized that God planned all of time and your life for the simple purpose of drawing you unto himself? I've asked you several times this morning if my God is your God. Not in the factual God of the universe way, but as your personal Savior. That is why we teach God's Word. To help you to know who He is, how much He loves you, and that He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross and to rise again for you. If you've not trusted Him, today can be your day of salvation. If you have trusted in Him, then get to know Him and His Word even better so that you might praise Him as David did, so that you can live to bring glory to Him in obedience to Him. He knows you. He knows me. But He wants us to know Him as well. Can I encourage you to be a student of our God? To be a student of who He is, what He shared with us about Himself, and then be a servant of His. And say, God, as you know me, as you plan for me, what do you have me for me to do today? Let's pray. I'm going to pray in just a moment. If when we close and the song is sung or even after that, if God has spoken to you, you want to come and kneel here and pray, you want to come and have someone pray with you, and we invite you to do that. Oh, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, it's my prayer that you not leave this place without that relationship settled in your heart. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for what it says, how it speaks to us. We thank you, Lord, that you have known us, Lord, from the beginning, before the beginning of time. That you knitted us together in our mother's womb. And even back then, that you had a plan for us. Lord, help us to respond to that knowledge, that unbelievable power that you have, your presence in every place that we could go. But Lord, help us as well to respond to that love that you showed for us in sending your Son to provide salvation for us. Help us, Lord, to respond to the opportunities that we have every day to live our lives, to bring praise and honor to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.